Hello, good morning. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew 23. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore, all that they tell you do not observe. Oh, I'm sorry. Therefore, all that they tell you do and observe, but do not do according to their deeds. For they say things and do not do them. And they tie up heavy loads and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a finger. But they do all their deeds to be noticed by men, for they broaden their phylacteries and lengthen the tassels of their garments. And they love the place of honor at banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues, and respectful greetings in the marketplaces and being called by men, rabbi. But do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher, and you are all brothers." And do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. And do not be called leaders, for one is your leader, that is Christ. But the greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from man. For you do not uh, enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you devour widows' houses, even while for a pretense you make long prayers. Therefore you shall receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel about on sea and land and to make one proselyte, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, blind guides, who say whoever swears by the temple, that is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obligated. You fools and blind men, Which is more important, the gold or the temple that sanctified the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, that is nothing. But whoever swears by the offering upon it, he is obligated. You blind men. Which is more important, the offering or the altar that sanctifies the offering? Therefore, he who swears, swears both by the altar and by everything on it. And he who swears by the temple, swears both by the temple and by him who dwells within it. And he who swears by heaven swears both by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others, you blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup of the dish, but inside they are full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish so that the outside of it may become clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, For you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you too outwardly appear righteous uh, to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous, and say, if we had been living in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partners with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Consequently, you bear witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murder the prophets. Fill up then the measure of the guilt of your fathers, you serpents, you brood of vipers. How shall you escape the sentence of hell? Therefore, behold, I am sending you prophets and wise men and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city, that upon you may fall the guilt of all the righteous blood shed on earth. 
from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things shall come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were unwilling. Behold, your house is being left to you desolate, for I say to you from now on, uh, you shall not see me coming, or not see me until you say, "Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord." Amen. Um, so, uh, this is the uh, the final block. Remember, there's five main blocks of teaching. So, this is the final block of teaching, and this will take us basically to the end of chapter 25 when we get there. And obviously, you could tell this will be his most emotional teaching. That takes place. Uh, he goes from um, uh, starts off with uh, uh, like being disgusted, and then he he goes into rage. Uh, and uh, most likely, by the time that he gets to about verse thirty-two, he's probably screaming uh, at these Pharisees and leaders. So there's a lot of passion uh, that's upon him, and then he'll end with a, a lament. It'll be a lamentation, and so. Um, uh, Matthew uh, 23, his section of the woes, the seven woes here, is by far the longest of the Gospels. And, um, and, uh, and you, could, you could see, because remember, Matthew is primarily writing to a persecuted um, a group of people, the early Christians, uh, uh, the most persecuted at that time. And so you can imagine that, that when Jesus is saying this and Matthew is recording this, that the people would really resonate with him because uh, they're primarily being persecuted by these officials. So these Pharisees, these scribes, uh, the Sanhedrin, uh, they're the primarily uh, um, uh, proponents of this persecution on the early church, and they would, they would have experienced so much at the hands of these Pharisees. So Jesus starts off with this kind of unique statement. He says in verse 2, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. So it could mean a couple things. One, it could mean that they actually sit in a chair. So in the synagogue, uh, there is some evidence, archaeological evidence, that there was literally a chair that the rabbi would sit in and then he would teach from that seat. And so they used to call that the chair of Moses. So it could be, he could be literally speaking of that chair, or he could be actually talking about an office. In, like, like in university, uh, this person is the chair of the Department of Sociology or something like that. So it could, it could have been a title. It could have been a place of authority. You know, it could have been an actual chair. Uh, but that's, that's, the, that's the nicest thing he'll say. And then it just goes downhill from there. And so he comes uh, and um, uh, he says, do what they say, but not what they do. So the teaching itself is actually okay, but they don't live this life. All they're, all they're concerned about is this heavy burden uh, on people, but this is the thing. They don't lift one finger to help people with this heavy burden. I mean, that's, that's basically what they're supposed to do. You know, contrary to Jesus' commands, remember Jesus tells in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, do your works in secret. So your Father will reward you, right? Now, 
The Pharisees, they only do the good when people are watching. So he gives a few ideas. So there's, there's what they call, he calls the phylacteries. Uh, in Hebrew, this is called the tefillin. And so out of Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, uh, these were the, the box, right, and the leather bands. It's supposed to go around, you know, place them on your forehead and, and so on and so forth. You, you see this is a, a common um, a prayer apparatus uh, that young people, I mean, actually uh, all Jewish men will use. Uh, now they use it when they go to the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall. And, but what the, what the scribes and the Pharisees would do, it, it's, a, it's a thin leather band that goes around, and they got really thick leather bands. You know what I mean? So that everyone can see them. Um, there's uh, the tassels. There's what they call the tallet. It's the talitna, and it's the prayer shawl, and they're meant to wear that, you know, around. And so on the bottom, you would see the tassels coming out, and the tassels all represented something. And so if you remember uh, the the woman with the hemorrhage, that's what she did. She grabbed the the tassel of his his cloak. She grabbed actually the prayer shawl. And so, but what the Pharisees would do and the scribes is that, you know, there was a certain length, they'd make them really long. And so uh, it was like extra long. So the band was extra thick so that everyone can see how holy and righteous they were. The tassel was extra long to make sure everyone can see that these were holy men and, you know, and all these things. They did everything to be seen uh, by men, to be visible for their spirituality. So this is what Jesus is raging against. And in fact, he tells them very simply, he says, you know, uh, um, uh, it, it, for them it was all basically uh, about being seen as a rabbi. A rabbi during this time was a very fluid term. Um, it was only um, at AD 70 when the temple was destroyed that they actually codified rabbis. In other words, they ordained them. But before, it was a very loose term. And so uh, anyone could, I mean... You were a rabbi if other people followed you and respected your teaching. So there wasn't, you know, there wasn't a seminary that people came out of and, you know, they got ordained or got their MDiv or it was nothing like that. And so he tells them and he says, you know, basically um, be very careful uh, that, you know, don't even be called a rabbi. Um, the, the word rabbi comes from the Hebrew root word was rav, which basically means great one. And so that's, that's kind of the idea. Um, and... Uh, he tells them, listen, uh, refuse the term rabbi because you only have one teacher, which is God. Um, and then Jesus connects the rabbi with the teacher, and it's, it's uh, the, the Greek, uh, the, the didaskalos. And so he's connecting these terms. And uh, the, the idea simply is no one should be considered great because we're all brothers and sisters. Um, Later on, they started using, there's the Aramaic term Abba. This is what Jesus would use when he talks to, to God the Father, you know, Abba. Uh, very very uh, heart-endearing term. And they started using that term for rabbi. So they started calling each other uh, or ca- calling their teacher as father. And he says, don't do that because you only have one father. He just, he just makes it very, very clear in this way. And then um, uh, he then, he's, uh, then he goes on, he says, in fact, don't even be called a teacher. So he goes even further, and now he's not using the term uh, didaskalos, uh, which is the teacher that he used before. Now he's using a different term, the kathagetis, which basically is combining teacher with leader. 
And so he says, don't do that. In fact, the King James Version kind of correctly translates that as master. Uh, and so, you know, don't, don't even because, why? Because we only have one master, uh, which is God. And in this context, for us, it would be Jesus. And so he finishes thought and he says, there's only one title. There's only one name that you should covet. You should want people to call you this. You know what it was? Servant. Servant. Don't go after the high positions. Don't go after be called a servant. You know, it's interesting, you know, over the years of our church, you know, we have a very, you know, let's say a very prayerful system of raising up leaders and things like that. And and we've and we've had times where um, you know, there was a group of people and maybe they're all friends. You know, maybe there's three, three friends there, and two of them get asked to be house church leaders, and then one of them doesn't. And you'd be surprised, over the years, they get really mad, you know, because I should have this title. I should be in this position. And when they start acting up, you know, I just, I mean, I don't want to sound mean or anything, and I just say, this is precisely why you're not. Sorry, Hensu. <laughs> I mean, you know, because... It, because it's part of your identity, you know, like you want it so badly, um, that's why God didn't choose you. And they usually don't take that very well. Um, but it's the truth. Because the only title, the only position that you should want is servant. Is servant. And um, he, you know, uh, if they exalt themselves like the Pharisees do, they're going to be humbled. But if they humble themselves, right, then they will be exalted. And, I mean, you see the, uh, the beauty of, of the way Jesus is going about this. And then in 13, he gets to the seven woes. And each of these woes is basically a condemnation against the old orthodoxy, uh, kind of the old way of doing things. And, and, it's, and it's really, more than anything else, their stubborn refusal to offer God's mercy, the chesed. Their stubborn refusal to offer chesed in this place. And so uh, for the first woe, for locking up the kingdom and not entering themselves. Right? Jesus, on the contrary, had instructed his disciples to unlock the doors of the kingdom. Right? This is 1619. But these guys, what they do, they're locking up the kingdom, but they're not even entering themselves. The second woe, they're pursuing converts. This is a key. They're, produ- per- they're pursuing converts not for Judaism, but to Pharisaism. And he has a huge problem with that. And they're pouring the same guilt and condemnation on their new followers. The third woe, they're formulating ridiculous oaths, you know, uh, by the gold of this or by the offering of this. When really, it should simply require a simple yes or no. Remember chapter 5, verse 37? Yes, yes. It's just very simple. And so, you know, they, they, they formulate all these ridiculous things. It's unnecessary. The fourth will, for their suffocating observance of the small matters of the law, but they neglect the very heart of the Torah, which is simply justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And they, they totally forget about this. For uh, the fifth will, for their fundamental misunderstanding of what is clean 
and unclean. They were religiously observant to what is clean, right? And, and, and they say that what's clean and what's unclean, but they had no idea. In, in their way, they washed the outside of their cups. Uh, you could think about their life, their appearance in this way, but leave the inside filthy with greed and self-indulgence. So the outside, they, they look so proper with their tassels and, uh, you know, uh, their phylacteries and, and their robes and all kinds of stuff. But they neglected what's, what's from the inside. And remember, this is primarily part of Jesus' teaching. It's, you know, man looks at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. It doesn't matter what happens on the outside, right? It's not, it's not that you look at a woman with, you know, uh, it's not your eyes that lust, it's your heart that is lustful, right? It's from what's inside, and these guys don't get it. For them, it's all about the outside, the outside appearance of these things. And then, the sixth woe, right, for falsely whitewashing their lives like a newly occupied, occupied tomb. Now, I want you to know, this would have been extremely offensive to the Pharisees because Jesus is talking about this, this two-step burial process. They, they, they would clean the body. I mean, meticulously go about cleaning the body. They put the body in a tomb. A year later, they would come back, and when the, the, the uh, flesh is rotted, they would take the bones, you know, clean it off, and they would put it into a, an ossuary, into a box. And so this was a process, and he's basically telling these guys, you are like that. You're decrepit. You're dead. You know, you're in these tombs. And you could imagine uh, that um, uh, they, 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 you know, they're, they're not too happy about this image that comes up. And then the last one, uh, uh, seven, for pretending the honor, you know, to honor the prophets. And, and what, they, what these guys did is they decorated the tombs of the prophets, you know, but they didn't realize that their forefathers actually killed them. The Pharisees exhibited no shame at what their ancestors had done. And then they would say things like, well, if we were around during that time, we would not have done that. I don't know if you know this, but this is a very common argument in the world. You know, like, like in the U.S., you know, the U.S. is so messed up in so many ways, right? There's a whole, you know, group of people that want to go back to communism, that want to, you know, uh, go back to fascism. You know, I mean, all these different things. And, and what they're basically saying is, okay, yeah, Hitler was bad, you know, uh, uh, and all these guys, we can understand Mussolini and all that. But if we were there and if we were in power, no, that would have never happened. And that is the absolute arrogance, you know, of it all, right? And, 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 and Jesus is pointing that out. He says, you're so arrogant. You, do you really think, you know, that if you were there that you'd be different? You decorate the, the tombs of the prophets. You, you're, you're of the kind that actually killed them. And, and they're so blind to this thing. And, and you know, and then, I mean, he's just, he's just going off on these guys, and um, like I said, by the end of this, he's probably screaming at them, and he's daring them to kill him, basically, in, in sort of a way. Uh, and then Jesus begins to prophesy against them. Um, and sadly, what happens, the Pharisees will do to, I mean, they'll do to Jesus, but eventually they'll do that to his followers, right? Uh, many of the followers will be killed, they'll be beaten, They'll be strangled. Many of them would be stoned. We see the beginning in Acts with Stephen, right? And all they'll, it'll be, all be done under the authority of the synagogue. 
The Romans will also get involved with this, and they will crucify them. They will flog them. These guys, they'll be hunted down and chased. And then the final one uh, at the end here, it ends with a lamentation. And he laments over Jerusalem. And he's referring to what's going to happen in AD 70. So it's kind of a prophetic projection. And he cries over the city because he knows what's going to happen. We have, we have this vivid detail of what happened during that time because Josephus was there. And so he writes, you know, during the sacking of Jerusalem and then the d- destruction of the temple. And uh, he talks about the, the, the hunger. Uh, he says, um, uh, Josephus, who was an eyewitness to this, he said, piles and piles of dead bodies, uh, unimaginable suffering. Think about this. Cannibalism was taking place during this time. Uh, and he's, he just breaks down in tears. Uh, he looks at the city but it ends with the promise that he will return, right? When he will he return? He will return when the inhabitants cry out, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is part of the Shabbat uh, 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 blessing. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And this is happening every single day all over Israel, all over the world in many places where Messianic congregations are praying this every day. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So let's close our eyes. So what can we gather from this? They, they say, but they do not do. I mean, I hope that this is not a challenge for us. I mean, it probably is in some levels. But let's not be hypocrites. But I think the thing that I want to focus on is just that simple part that the title that you should want is servant. Right? Lord, I just want to be a humble servant. I just want to serve you with all of my heart. I don't care about titles. Lord, I don't even care if I'm appreciated for my service. Because I serve not to be appreciated by men. I serve, Lord, for the pleasure of God. See, you, you, can, you can get really messed up even in your service when you want people to recognize your service. Isn't that exactly what the Pharisees were about? We serve for the pleasure of God, for the glory of God. And so this morning, if there's an inkling in your heart that you want to be noticed by men, if there is a part that you want to, uh, you know, and it, listen, it's nothing wrong with people thanking you and stuff like that, but if that's your motivation, you're not a servant, you're a slave. So let the Holy Spirit speak to us this morning. It's not about the titles, the authority, the offices. It really is a matter of the heart. God, I just want to be your humble servant. Now let's let's re-engage the Lord and reorder our hearts.
Lord, we pray for your forgiveness. Lord, the only title that we covet is servant. Lord, the greatest is the servant of all. And let's ask God to reorder our hearts. Let's pray for a church full of servants. That that the only accolade they need is to serve the Father. Let's pray. community prayers and let's pray for our friends and family that are battling through chemos, radiation therapy and surgeries and let's pray for God's healing. that are ill but also needs to meet with Jesus and let's pray for physical healing let's pray for the word of salvation open doors and God's provision.
Let's pray over our missions focus. Uh, let's pray for Japan. Uh, let's pray for Jungmin and Hyunjin and SP Tokyo. Let's pray for uh, uh, SP New York with uh, Kelly and Jess. And let's pray for India with Kelly. Let's ask God to just use our servants and really breathe His Spirit over these places. our missions council let's pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation over our leaders that they would really lead our church in our mission endeavors SP Fam, our foster and adoption ministries. So let's pray for the kids in our care now. Pray that more families would sign up and be approved by the government. Let's just lift up. gatherings tonight uh, um, actually I think the only thing that's going to happen is SP Youth um, uh, the rest uh, let's pray for our service tonight and let's ask the Holy Spirit to really uh, pour out on Pastor Benjamin and Pastor Sonny um, uh, we've, I've been sending this message out to uh, some of our prayer people and things but you know, Pastor Sonny there's something happening with her nose right now for whatever reason and so but uh, there's been so much warfare uh, uh, coming into Um, Hong Kong and, you know, I mean it's just been crazy and so let's just really cover you know I mean I just look at that as a good sign right like God's going to do something amazing uh, with us this weekend and so let's just pray that her nose would be healed uh, that uh, they would just be ready to really uh, minister to this body uh, let's just lift up uh, tonight also pray for the youth group uh, they'll also have service tonight Pregnant ladies, let's ask God to continue to watch over them and bless them and 
um, just watch over their bodies. Uh, some of the ladies on the list are, are they've been having some health complications uh, even before all this. Let's pray that that uh, that they the Lord would really heal them during this time. Father, we thank you uh, this morning. We uh, thank you for waking us up, to bringing us into this house, to pray, to seek your face, God. And Lord, we thank you for the word, Lord, that gives us life. And Lord, thank you for the reminder, God, that we are, Lord, simply, humbly your servants, God. Forgive us when we want accolades, God, and position and power. Lord, we are your servants. And so I pray for a correction in our hearts. A correction in our thinking, Lord. I pray that SP would simply be a church full of servants, God. Lord, that serve not for recognition, Lord, but that serve for the glory of God. Teach us, God. Train us, Lord. We thank you, and we ask for a blessing tonight, God. Come and meet with us, Lord, in a powerful way. We thank you, Lord. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Uh, enjoy the rest of your prayer time, and we'll see you guys tonight, seven thirty.